you open your Bibles, uh, if you have them, and if you don't, I'm, I apologize that the uh, text is not written in the Bible. But to the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke, to Luke chapter 2, and there from verse 1. And you'll recognize it immediately as the opening paragraph of the Christmas story. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Our God and Father, who loved us to such a degree and with such a love, that you sent your only begotten Son into this world, that whosoever believeth in him might not perish, but have eternal life. O God, the Son, who has come and lived with us, has borne our sins upon the cross, raised from the dead and ascended into heaven with the Father and sent the Spirit. O Lord, Jesus Christ, be near in the Spirit and by the Spirit. And you, O Holy Spirit of God, who inspired these very words, who has brought them down to us and apply them to us and illumine them to us and open our hearts and our minds and our souls to receive, we pray that you will do that in this hour, in this place, at this time. O oh, great God, grant us the grace not only to understand, but to live by this word. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. According to Webster, a paradox is something seemingly absurd, yet true in fact. It has a number of synonyms, among which are contradiction, enigma, mystery, absurdity, and ambiguity. And there are a number of paradoxes that seem to be found in the whole story of the first Christmas, not the least of which is an expectant virgin, the birth of the eternal God, El Shaddai, usually translated Almighty God, a helpless infant. And then when we read this opening paragraph of the second chapter of Luke, in the seventh verse particularly, we find two more 
such paradoxes. The one whose throne room is heaven, who spoke and called everything that is into being, has no crib for a bed on this earth that he created. And that is because of the second paradox. There was no room for them in the inn. We sing, away in a manger, no crib for a bed, the little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. Think about that. Have you ever done so? Ever thought of, of the enormity of what's said in those few words? Where was the manger? Well, some said in a stable, we sang it earlier uh, about the Lord lying in a stable. Others say, well, no, it was probably a private home. Others, a cave. If you ever go to Bethlehem uh, and, you know, you have to go see the Church of the Nativity, one of the oldest Christian, well, one of the oldest continuing Christian congregations in the world. Uh, still a thriving congregation of a couple thousand Palestinian Christians. And you go in there, the building was built originally in the 4th century, 300 and something, then it was destroyed, and in the 6th century, it was rebuilt and has stood since then. And as you go through there, there's a spot in a cave that is marked with a big cross, a star, at least uh, on the floor, uh, of the traditional birthplace of Jesus Christ in a cave. Whatever the case may be, the fact of the matter is that God, the Lord from heaven, the Lord of glory, lay in a feed trough. Manger sounds so much better, so much more sanitary than looking at a feed trough where animals have come and slobbered and eaten their grain and their hay and all of that. Bethany Christian Services, that organization, an adoption agency and, and anti-abortion agency and abortion counseling agency and all of that, has a, a newsletter and in an old edition of it that for some reason was laying around, I found this article by a mother who was awaiting her adopted daughter. It was about when she was waiting for her adopted daughter. And she wrote, a bedroom in our home was transformed with pink plaid wallpaper and a border of old-fashioned teddy bears and toys. The bassinet was outfitted with a new afghan and I could barely pass the baby section of department stores without acquiring another little baby girl outfit. I will never forget that first Christmas with Christy, the child they adopted. The house was filled with the smell of cinnamon rolls, perfectly roasted turkey, 
and spicy pumpkin pie. The bustle of three excited little boys and the addition of visiting grandparents added to the festive atmosphere. And of course, our very best Christmas present was sleeping contentedly in a bassinet by the tree. Compare that with the first Christmas. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a feed trough because there was no room for them in the end. It's an image, isn't it, of humility, of poverty, of deprivation, obscurity, solitariness, rejection, and you can go on and on and make your own list of all of the things that was an image of. And as you do that, remember this, it typifies the entirety of the ministry and the life of the Lord Jesus Christ here on earth. Theologians and preachers talk about the humiliation of Christ. And and most people take that to mean the cross of Jesus, which was certainly a place where our Lord Jesus was humiliated. His entire life was a life of humiliation. Lo, within a manger lies he who built the lofty skies. Let that reverberate and hear it. When wasn't he poor? When did he have a place to call his own? Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. When was he accepted? When was he understood? By his own family, by those around him. His own brothers thought he was insane, crazy, a madman. All of that and more bring, all bring to mind one more word. Voluntary. He chose to come. He accepted. He was willing to come. He wasn't coerced into it. He wasn't forced into it. He wasn't tricked into it. He came of his own volition. Like Isaiah, he said to the Father, Here am I, send me. And he came. And he knew exactly what he was coming to, and he knew exactly what he was coming for. And yet he did it voluntarily, willingly, of his own accord, for your and my salvation. For your Salvation. And then we go on in our Christian hymnody to sing, Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown 
when thou camest to earth for me. But in Bethlehem's home was there found no room for thy holy nativity. What I find interesting, really, really interesting, is how Luke expresses all that. How calmly, how matter-of-factly, how heartlessly he puts it, without any Stephen King sort of hype. The supernatural is entering into the natural realm. The supernatural is taking to himself the natural. And Luke handles it almost offhand. The supernatural, the creator, the king, is entering into our world. Jim Keller says he moved into our neighborhood. on the backside of the world in a feed trough because there was no room for him in the end. I read that and I think about the guy that kept the inn. Don't you wonder about him sometimes? <clears throat> I'm, well, I think, I think that he was not an ogre. He wasn't a a horrible man. He was a busy man. And and he just had no room. (laughs) Every place where he might have put them, was occupied. It was taken up. What was he to do? He did the best he could. I think the innkeeper was much like you and me. I think he was a man with a good heart. I think he was well-intentioned. He was just occupied, perhaps we'd say pre-occupied. I mean, you know how it is. You know how it is. No room for Jesus. Well, what with work and family and recreation and church? And all of those responsibilities of life. And you add to that that it's Christmas time. There are gifts to be bought. Decorations have to be put up. Meals have to be planned. There are parties to attend. Room for Jesus. Uh, I think that's too harsh to say. No room for Jesus. 
of either the innkeeper or you or me. Let's not say no room for Jesus. But with tears we have to say not much room for him. That's just not much, is there? Perhaps we can find him room in the food trough out back of our lives. We're busy. And our lives are full. And how do you fit baby Jesus into all that? I wonder. I wonder. If the innkeeper had a second chance and knew what you know, if he would have found room for Jesus, made room for him. Listen. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him I will eat with him. He will eat with me and I will eat with him. We so often take that as an evangelistic verse. And that's not entirely wrong. But that's not the context at all. Jesus wasn't speaking through John to those out there. He was talking to us. In here. In here. He was speaking to a church distracted, deluded, lukewarm, that didn't have much place for him. You have a Christian. A Christmas invitation this morning. From no one less than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Whether you are a lifelong Christian or you, you're here this morning just checking out this Christianity stuff. This Christianity thing that people talk about. It matters not. Jesus is calling. He's calling you. Fellowship with him. And with his father. And to life eternal. Which means a radical change right now in this life. in an unending life in the presence of the Father and of the Son. He's calling you to the forgiveness of your sins. He's calling you to a renewal 
of yourself and your life. And the question for you this morning, the great question of Advent is this. Can you? Will you respond in the words of the hymn, Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus. There is room in my heart for thee. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping. Why lies he in such mean estate where ox and ass are feeding? Good Christian men fear reverence. For sinners hear this silent word is pleading. Do bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. Come, peasant, king, to own him. The king of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts and throne him. This, this, is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. This, this is Christ the King, the babe, the son of Mary, for whom there was no room in the end. Our God and our Father, who is all of grace and mercy and joy and hope and peace and love, enable us by your Spirit to open our hearts, to make room in our lives. For your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and all his saving goodness to the end that we might bring glory to you, and that may we may enjoy life eternal in him by the Spirit with you. For Jesus' sake we pray.